0: As photography business owners, copywriting can be hard. You guys know by now that I love words, especially quotes, but using words to amplify businesses is a whole other story. Welcome to the Motherhood Anthology podcast, photography education for a business you love. My name is Kim Box and I'm your host with the collaboration and help of my co-hosts and business partners at the Motherhood Anthology, Jenny Krueger and Allison Craig. Today we have Rachel Griman on the podcast to talk about all things copywriting and photography business. Rachel's the owner of Green Chair Stories, a copywriting agency dedicated specifically to photographers. Specializing in website copy, Rachel has a gift for taking the hand of photographers and helping them audit, develop, and execute excellent website copy that's proven to maximize lead conversion. So join me as we all learn from Rachel exactly how copywriting is useful to photography business owners and how to implement copywriting strategies and tactics that will elevate our businesses. Now I present to you episode number 23 of the Motherhood Anthology podcast.
1: Hey, Rachel. Hi, Kim, how are you? Thank you for doing this. Oh my goodness, thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, so let's just start. I'd love to know more about you.
1: I am a copywriter and a photographer right now, mostly a copywriter (laughs) because through COVID, you know, I'm a documentary family photographer. It was a lot of in-home stuff. So we transitioned as a company essentially in 2020 from doing half and half photography and copywriting to like 90% copywriting. And we grew that side of the team. And now when I photograph, it's rare, but I still really love it.
0: That's so interesting. So as I was reading about you, I love the name Green Chair Stories. I oh, definitely thank you. want to want to know about that. You also say that you are a copywriting company committed to writing websites that get photographers booked. So yes. that's we we preach find your niche here at, at the Motherhood Anthology. So like mm. we can appreciate that for sure. So <laughs> Yeah, tell me, tell me about Green Chair Stories. So where does do,
1: that come from? Do you want to know the story behind it? I do want to know the story. <laughs> so before I started Green Chair Stories, I was a photojournalism major in college many moons ago. And I started working in nonprofits and I had a decade long career in nonprofits before I started Green Share Stories. And my last full-time job was at a rescue mission here in Denver, Colorado, and we decorated our offices with furniture that was donated by people. So we had this huge warehouse in our office building and because we served, you know, families experiencing homelessness, you know, all sorts of people that needed assistance. And so a lot of this furniture would end up in their homes, but we would decorate our office. So we didn't have that business expense. And I walked into the warehouse on my first day and I saw this huge, beautiful velvet green chair. And I was like, oh, that is coming with me. And so that became the chair that sat across from my desk. So when I was interviewing people, you know, whether it was a single mom Or the CEO of the company, or a man who had literally just come off the street that morning, or my friends who worked at the mission with me, they would all stand up after sitting in it, and they would be like, there is just something about this green chair. And I was like, I know, right? (laughs) And I just, everyone cried in that chair, literally everyone. And I really wanted to create a business that felt metaphorically like that chair, you know, anybody that came to me and anybody that I had the privilege of working with, I wanted them to feel that comfortable and that at ease. And like, they could just be their truest version of themselves. So when I left that job to start Green Chair Sto- Stories full time, they gifted me that and I still have it. And that yeah. was 10 years ago.
0: <laughs> well, I love it because it does, it, it paints a picture. It doesn't, it does give you that warm, fuzzy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, feeling about your 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 name so that I, I love that and I'll also say like you actually reached out to us about being on the podcast and yeah. it was so like your your I don't it's not pitch is probably not the right word but your submission like we have the form on the website if mm-hmm. you want to be on um it was so lovely and just warm and like you're very gifted for sure because you know we're new podcasters here and so like that's a goal of ours is to get on other other podcasts as well eventually mm-hmm. And there's a method to it, and so it didn't feel like a cold. Hey, I'd love to be on your podcast. Oh,
1: good. That is such a compliment. <laughs> that is such a compliment, and it is definitely a pitch email, and you can definitely steal it. Uh, okay. I highly encourage my clients um, to steal the email templates that I use in my communication with them, because I'm like, if it resonated with you, it's going to resonate with the people that you're trying to get to book you. So it's that's really what copyrighting is. It. Do you mind? I don't at all.
0: No, it's so lovely. I just think there's like, um, we could pick it apart and analyze it almost, but it, you know what I mean? It like it comes across as like so genuine and heartfelt and not just a pitch email. I don't know if we should, it, I don't know if that's the thing to do. I'll read it. I think it's lovely. Hello, ladies at the Motherhood Anthology. I'm reaching out because I've been binging your podcast hard the past week, which is quite a feat with two little ones at home. Thanks, AirPods. I literally. <laughs> Stopped by Walk the other day so that I could take some notes on your episode with Kristen Sweeting. She dropped so much wisdom and you were such a powerful guide in the convo. I just listened to the most recent episode with your podcast producer. As someone who is constantly kicking around the idea of starting a podcast, it was wildly helpful. I listen to and guess on a lot of podcasts. You really do strike a perfect balance of giving your guests room to teach and then adding so much depth to the conversation. I I mean, anyway...
1: I, I love like, it. I you know, love but it. It's
0: just like, like you buttered me up so well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that's the thing with pitching. If you guys do pitch yourselves, it's very important to be genuine. Like I would never, ever, ever pitch a podcast that I did not listen to at least two or three episodes of.
0: Yeah. Well you did and you like, you, I don't know. And and that's the fun thing about podcasts too, is like when you invite someone to be on your podcast, like it's usually a pretty easy ask for most folks because people just to to share about themselves, you know, you want to talk to me like, (laughs) yeah,
1: totally. (laughs) You are, I was just going to say, if you're a chatterbox like me, there is no better job than just showing up and talking to someone for an hour.
0: Well, that's my, that's my approach for sure. And sometimes (laughs) like, I just like to dive in and I like to learn about people and what they do. And, um, I just think everyone has so much, you know, that you can learn. And mm-hmm. I feel that way about what you, we're going to talk about today for sure.
1: Oh, good. Um,
0: so I think this is like a very appropriate topic too, because the episode that we released this week with Jenny is all about branding. And then I recorded with Allison also. And I think that episode's coming in the next week or two, but about client communication.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I think with photography, you know, I think about images and like, you're yeah, telling a story with images
1: for the, the most, art of it all.
0: <laughs> right. And I think sometimes we don't stop to think about how important the copy is yeah. in that in that building of a brand. So I just love to hear, like, I love it that you, you also like are a photographer and then you specialize in write, helping photographers write copies. So, um, Let's just dive into all that. Like, yeah, how, how does in, a, in an image based um, business, how does copy play into all that?
1: Yeah, well, I it's a great question. and you and your listeners might not love the answer at first, but I promise I say it with nothing but love in my heart. A lot of you are really, really focused on the art of it all, on telling the story. and you are there you know, as you're taking the images, some of you, you know, do in-person sales. So you're there as people are seeing them and crying at them after you're done, you are present, you know, when you're getting the email of what these images mean to people. So you have such a deeper understanding of what your art means than at somebody that's just coming to your website for the first time. And so you are coming into the conversation with this beautiful depth of knowledge about how meaningful things are. And they're like, well, I just feel like I should do this because, you know, I'm going to want it later. You know, that's truly how some people approach it. And so we want to believe, and this was a huge mistake I made when I was a photographer- solely in the beginning, was I wanted my art to speak for itself. I wanted people to come to my website, see my images, and be like, sold, done. This is exactly what I need in my life. But it just doesn't work that way. As much as I would love for it to work that way for all of you, pe- there's way too many photographers at this point for that to work for all of us. You know, And it might work for a select few, but the majority of people, you have to explain yourself a little bit. You have to go beyond just your talent because there's a million talented photographers in the world. That's just the facts at this point. So you have to make it clear to people through your words why they might want to work with you, how your experience is different, how your work is different, how the feelings that you're going to elicit from their family are going to be different than the photographer down the street. And you cannot communicate that with just your images, you have to use the power of written word to walk them through and to paint the picture of how they and their family are going to fit into that.
0: Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) So where do you start? Like, I think I I definitely see the value of having help with your copy because I think I I think um, it's kind of like, you can't see the forest for the trees. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think once you've done something for so long and you're busy just doing the things you've got to get done every day, that sometimes one, there's not time, but two, Mm -hmm. you've just kind of, you've, you've had it or looked at it for so long, you don't really realize maybe what it's communicating or not communicating. Yes,
1: for sure. So,
0: So where does one start? Like, what do you what do you recommend when someone? Yeah,
1: so I think you're absolutely right that, you know, like I said before, you have so much knowledge about how this works that it's hard to strip that down to the beginning before you knew it. (laughs) Uh, So I think the key is not starting with what you know, but starting with what your clients know, because they have been on the other side. You've never been photographed by yourself. So you don't really know how it feels and you don't know how other people describe it until you ask. So I always say, use what you already have. The easiest thing to look at is testimonials from past clients. You can look at Their emails to you, whether that be their first inquiry, that should tell you the questions that they have, the hesitations they have, the fear they have, the excitement that they have. That initial inquiry email is really important into understanding the headspace that people are in when they come to your site, because that's really what you're writing to. Your testimonials also will tell you how people feel after the fact, usually. Every once in a while, they'll give you a glimmer of how they felt beforehand. So they're definitely useful, but I think those emails are the most useful thing that you can look at and you don't have to do any work. They're just sitting in your inbox. All you have to do is compile the data. So when you think you try to put yourself in the head of somebody that's considering hiring you, you need to know what those hesitations, questions, fears, and excitements are. And you have clients that have already told you. So that's my number one piece of advice is to look at what you already have.
0: So as far as the the testimonials, do you Mm -hmm. have a process that you recommend collecting those?
1: Yeah. I think it should be part of your process, number one, (laughs) because I think a lot of people just do it when they think of it (laughs) or they're just like, oh, these people left me a testimony without me even asking. Great. And it's like, that is not the best way to go about (laughs) getting it. So Mm -hmm. I, this is a not so humble brag. We have 95 star reviews on Google um, for our company because this is part of our process. You know, I have never not asked someone for a testimonial. So step one is asking. You have to ask. And it can't be seven months after the fact. It should be as soon as they get their gallery of images or their print order, whatever your deliverable is, you should have it automated that they get an email seven days later asking for that testimonial. And then we actually have a set of email templates for family photographers. And there's one of the templates in there is how to ask for a testimonial. And the best thing you can do is lead someone with questions rather than, you know how hard it is to start from a blinking cursor. So give them questions that they can answer. How did you feel before working with us? Or me? And how do you feel now? What's your favorite? What was your favorite thing about the experience of working with me? What's your favorite thing about the actual images? You know, you can just give them a set of three questions and say, you can answer one or all of these, whatever's easiest for you.
0: That's great. So like, I don't know if you're familiar with, well, Jenny, Allison and I, we all have mm-hmm. 17 hats, but I'm sure. Yeah. Others. Yes. But just building that into your workflow. Yes. Is a great tip for sure. The service that you offer is Is copywriting for the website for the photographer? Is that yes?
1: Yep. We write five pages of a website. Usually it's always home, about and contact because those are usually the three most visited pages on someone's site. So if somebody goes to only those three, you want the message to be very united. And then the other two pages are whatever the photographer wants, usually it's some kind of pricing or services page and an experience page, like how it feels to work with them that can get into their philosophy. It can get into, you know, a step-by-step process, that kind of thing. But yeah.
0: What are the biggest mistakes that you see when you're, what do you call, is it an audit? Do I mean, is that the first thing you kind of look at the site and I mean, for your clients and go over things and like what, I'm sure you've looked at so many sites now, like what are the (laughs) things that we're doing wrong?
1: I mean, it's really interesting because I think it's industry specific. Like I see wedding photographers do similar things wrong and I see, you know, motherhood family photographers do other things wrong. So obviously I'll talk about the motherhood piece of it, but I think a lot of motherhood photographers tend to have outdated templates. Like you see a lot of gallery templates or static homepages. And, you know, if you remember Squarespace sites from like 10 years ago, when a lot of us were starting, you know, around then it was this, you know, long scrolling gallery site and it was just, you know, a hundred of your best images. And that was very, very typical for photographers then, but I've seen a lot of family photographers stick to that format or template. And that's just not how people consume information anymore. People do want to scroll. Like you definitely want to have something below the fold for people to scroll Mm -hmm. to. But you want there to be text. People are used to reading and absorbing information in snippets and in headlines. So I rather than seeing a hundred images, again, that's not really telling anybody what makes you different. It's just showing them your work, which again, I am sure is very, very lovely. <laughs> but it's not going to necessarily sell people.. So you want to give people a little glimpse on your homepage of everything they'll get on the rest of the site. So I always say the homepage is kind of like a mini site all in one spot, in one scroll. Like if they read from the beginning of the homepage to the end, they have an idea of everything that you do by the time they get to the bottom. And then it's kind of a choose your own adventure of where they want to go after that. So there's a little paragraph at the top that should be speaking directly to the client, jumping into the conversation that they're already having in their head about hiring a photographer or about this season of their life. And again, talking to your past clients. That's another thing I didn't say earlier about, How to start. If testimonials and emails, sorry, I'm like going on and on and on a million miles a minute. (laughs) If testimonials and emails are not enough, pick up the phone. And as a millennial, I know how difficult this is. But if they are your favorite clients, then they want to do this favor for you. If you loved them, I can almost guarantee that they loved you. So email them and ask them if you can chat with them about how they were feeling before they hired you, because that feeling that they had before they said yes to you is exactly what you want to your copy to talk about right on the homepage of your website, that feeling of nervousness or excitement, or if you do newborns, like that tenderness of, you know, being in your uh, like late stages of your pregnancy and getting ready to meet your baby. And, you know, you can talk directly to that emotion, but you have to know your clients well in order to do that. And the way you know your clients well is by talking to real people rather than creating these like avatars, you know, these vague people that don't exist, you can just use the people that you've already worked with and love. So anyway, that first section should be the culmination of your research, essentially what you've learned about your clients and how they're feeling in this moment before they say yes to you. That's what you put front and center at the top of your website. And then as you scroll, you can get into the weeds a little bit. You can have a little section about you with a call to action button that leads to your about page. You can have a little section about your experience that leads to your experience page, pricing, and so on. So, and a little, you can have three galleries next to each other so they can see the kinds of different work that you do. It should just be a little bit of everything so they have a really good taste of who you are, by the time they scroll to the bottom,
0: I told you this is a a hard topic for me. I am I w- I'm going to be honest. I'm not a reader. When I when I yeah. consume, I'm I rarely read. So I do. Like you struck a chord with me when you said people consume headlines, bullet points, like. And definitely that's how I consume information. Totally. If you have information to give me. I need I need an outline. Don't give
1: me the <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And so it's interesting you brought that up because there's different kinds of readers you know, depending on, you know, what philosophy you follow, there's usually four different kinds of readers. One is the skimmer like you that just does headlines and bullet points. And the other is a reader that reads every single word of a website before they reach out. They want to have as much information as possible. So you can't assume that other people consume information the same way that you do. So your website needs to be able to strike a chord with all the different people that might land on your site.
0: So we talk a lot about like being different and setting ourselves apart. And like, we all know like how many photographers, how many photographers there are now. So how do you do that? Like, how do you set yourself apart with copy?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I'm going to repeat myself, but it really is the most important part of our process. And the most important part of anybody doing this themselves is really understanding who you're talking to, because the thing that makes you different, yes, you are unique and you are different and your style is unique, but you can probably tell me what makes you different than your biggest competitor. Like very easily. In 30 seconds, you could be like, oh, well, she's like this and I'm like this. You can do that well. What is harder to figure out is what makes your clients different. And your website is really dictated and determined by the clients you're trying to attract, not necessarily what you are trying to assert as the artist, if that makes sense.
0: It does. That Yeah, that's good.
1: So as a photographer, the real work in creating good copy is in understanding who you're talking to, and a lot of people. I did this for sure, especially in the beginning of their business. You look at you know all the different kinds of photography that you want to do, and you have a friend that's like, oh, I need headshots. And you're like, great, two hundred fifty dollars, I'll do it for you. And you know you have somebody that comes to you like, can you shoot a wedding, absolutely, here five hundred dollars, I'll do it for you. You know you kind of say yes to everything at the beginning because you're afraid of leaving money on the table. You're afraid that if you say no. You don't know where the next check is coming from. And it really, I think it's important for a season, but it should be a short season because the best thing you can do, and I know you guys talk about this a lot. I've heard you talk about it a lot, is niching into something very specific because that paints you as the expert. And so once you figure out kind of what you want to do, the next step of that niche is figuring out who you want to do it for. And that who you want to do it for piece is really what separates you in the sea of photographers that exist now.
0: (laughs) So what is your process when someone, um, hires you? Can you kind of outline that for us?
1: Yeah. So when someone reaches out, the first thing I do is I go to their website and I tell them exactly what I think. And (laughs) it's usually really honest. I tell them, you know, it's kind of like a crap sandwich, It's like something I love, something that could be improved and something that I love again. (laughs) And just because I want people to know that like, hey, this is the positives that I see. This is something that we could work on. And then in that email, I give them all the different uh, ways that they can work with us. There's like three. They can either buy our DIY guide so they can do it themselves. By far the most affordable option. Really recommend this to people who are just starting out and figuring out what they want to do because it's a low investment that just gets better copy on their site. Um, The other way is we can do an audit of their site and we're not writing the site for them word for word, but we'll get on the phone with them and tell them which sections need to be changed and what our opinions are and kind of walk them through how to make those changes. And we do full site writing for people. So if somebody hires us for the full site, We stalk them essentially. We read every single thing they've ever put on the internet. We call their three past favorite clients and interview them about what it was like to work with them and why they liked it. We have them take the Enneagram personality test just because it's so much easier to write for someone when we understand like the head and heart space they operate from. And we like the Enneagram. I know other people like other personality tests, but I just, we know that one the best. So it's, easier for me to be like, oh, this is your number. This is your fear in life and this is your goal in life. Great. I have I that love, down. <laughs> yes, I
0: love the Enneagram. Yeah. What
1: number is. are you? What do you think I am? I don't know. I don't know you well. Enough. <laughs> and you're not supposed to type other people. But I'm always just so curious. What are you?
0: I'm a two. Me too. Oh, really? Yeah. So I had you, I bet you wing one
1: or th- oh no no, I'm- no.
0: no, 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 no. I take it back. Three.
1: Yes. I'm a total wing three. <laughs> are you a wing one? Uh, I'm so strong
0: too. I mean, I am so far from any other number. It's, I don't think I winged either way. I am. Yeah. Two, three. And three. <laughs> I love it. Um, That's but, why you're
1: a good interviewer. Oh, um, thank you. Um, Twos are just very naturally curious about other people. It's what makes me good at my job too.
0: About that, I've never put that together before, but I guess that would be a benefit. Like, I just want to know about you and what makes totally you and yeah. Well, how about that? Yeah, no. Any we should any yeah. going on the, any <laughs> that? Any that could group be going on the podcast episode. I say, that
1: could be a whole other episode for you. But yeah, we make them take the test and then we, yeah, the interview, and then we jump on a call with them. Every call is on a Monday, so we always start with new clients on Mondays, and they are our only person that week. So we never overlap clients. Like if our writers do, but let's say Caitlin, one of our writers has a client on a Monday. She would never have another call with another photographer that day. So it's like an hour or two phone call. And then she writes the first draft within the next couple of days. And she also, this is, I think one of the most important things that we do. We create a one reader profile. And this has a lot to do with what I've been talking about, about understanding your client rather than having this avatar that you don't know, that you make up, like, do you remember on Pinterest so many years ago, there was like that worksheet going around, like, find your ideal client. And it was like, she shops in anthropology. You do remember that?
0: I think I do. Yes. And I just feel like it was
1: very popular, like a decade ago. And I would much rather work with real data and real information from real clients. So we basically compile the three interviews that we did into one person. And it's all based in real research and real conversations. And we tell people, you know, tell photographers the stats for their One reader, who this person is and what their fears are, how they got to your website, what they know about you already, the solution that they don't know they need yet. So we create this document so they know every single time they write an email or their website copy or a social media caption, this is the person that they're talking to. So we just want them to get laser focused on the kind of client they want to attract. So we create that document and then I edit the copy for whoever wrote it. And then we deliver it exactly one week later on a Monday. So it's only one week. And then they have from Monday till Friday to edit with me and the writer to get it perfect. As much as they want to edit, we'll be back in the document with them. And I skipped a bunch of steps just because I don't want to bore all of you. But we try to make it very thorough, but very fast because usually when people come to us, they're like, oh no, I hired a website designer and they want copy. And I decided I can't do it. I need it yesterday.
0: (laughs) Well, I love creating the
1: do you call the it one account? reader, just yeah, the, one the one reader, reader document.
0: document? Cause that brings in a little of the psychology and
1: mm-hmm.
0: of that. So, well, that's very interesting. So tell me for those that may not be ready for that quite yet.
1: Yeah. Which,
0: um, I bet you get, I bet you get a lot of interest from our, our community because that sounds very much like what a lot of people, their challenges inside our group. Yeah. But for those that might not be ready to do that just yet, tell can you give us some tips or some uh, tools maybe if they're Mm -hmm. trying to update the copy themselves for their on their website for now?
1: Yeah, a really important one is don't write it in the back end of your site because then you're going to be really limited by the template. Mm -hmm. Like you're like, okay, whatever I have to say has to fit in this box. So I would encourage you to just write what you need to write to get your point across, like don't like write it in a Google doc or a word document, just so you get out of that, you know, constraint of the template and you can always redesign. You cannot, you can't always make what you need to say fit into a box that's handed to you, if that makes sense. So don't write in the back end if you can help it. Also, a lot of people struggle with that blinking cursor. I do sometimes. There's actually a dictation tool in Google Docs that you can turn on and you can just talk to your computer rather than writing. And the first couple sentences or paragraphs might be absolute crap, (laughs) but eventually you're gonna get to your point and it's going to be profound. You know, some people just talk better processing than they write, which is so normal. But don't make yourself right when you could just talk at a document and then edit it down to your best stuff.
0: How do you feel about the whole chat GPT thing? Yeah, I'd be interested to hear. I have a, a, another a copywriter friend. We've talked a little about this, but what's your take on that as a copywriter?
1: I think it means different things to different kinds of copywriting, I haven't played with it enough yet. I can imagine it would be unbelievably helpful for blog writing just because it's content, not copy. And even social media captions, like you can give chat GPT some really specific prompts that are true about the real client that you're writing about in your caption. So I would play with it certainly for social media and for um. And for blogs, I haven't tried it yet for like actually writing site copy, but because what we do is so grounded in research and taking actual phrases that we hear over and over from people's clients and integrating it into the copy because we want them to get more of those favorite clients. So again, I think everybody's special, but (laughs) there is a type, you know, you know what you like about your clients and there's a through line that runs through all of them. So we want to use those specific words. And I feel like chat GPT summarizes what you say and doesn't necessarily, I'm not sure, maybe you can tell it to put certain phrases and words in there. If that's the case, maybe it would be better than I'm imagining, but because there's so many elements to it, and like, even with Enneagram, like there's certain things that I know right. four would say that an eight never would. And so the flowery language and the prosy language, just I, we use that when we write the site. So I'm not saying it's not helpful or it can't write something better than you have, but as a copywriter, I haven't found the use for it yet in my own business, but I know it's there. <laughs>
0: Um, just the, the little bit that I've heard and know, I mean, I've, I've heard, do not uh, copy and paste because it will plagiarize. And, yes.
1: That's the um, other thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the little bit that I've played with it, it's, it's kind of fascinating as far as like, I think it's such a great tool for ideas, like mm-hmm. it will send out a list for you, you know, of just about anything you, you know, what would be creative ideas for blog posts for a motherhood photographer? And it will give you 10 yes. ideas.
1: Yes. Or, um, I have friends but, who use it for their grocery list or like recipes.
0: Right. Um, They'll say,
1: like, okay, pull up a recipe with these three ingredients and it'll pull one up. So, right.
0: right. Or a title for something. Like, I've, yeah. I've a lot of fun playing with titles or names. It's going to be interesting to see how we end up using it, you know, in five or 10 years, like where it's going to take us. But I definitely don't think. Um, copywriters have anything to be worried about but definitely a tool for us all to like to help with our you know ideas yeah
1: and I I can make that distinction too for your listeners of copy and content copy Mm -hmm. are the words that sell content is um just something that builds that like no and trust factor so like blogging and your social captions Um, those are content that's warming up your reader to the idea of who you are, what you do. Your copy is actually what takes them from thinking about it to actually purchasing from you or reaching out. Copy should inspire action. Content might just make them like you a little bit more or trust you a little bit more. So I think chat GPT would actually be very, very useful for photographers when creating content.
0: When you're writing copy, are you guys also thinking about SEO?
1: Um, Yeah. So we have an SEO expert on our team. Um, She actually just trained for the whole year last year. I wanted to make sure she really knew what she was talking about before we took anyone's money. But so she, we have an add-on package. If you care about SEO and you want SEO to be a part of your business, you can hire her add-on package and we'll incorporate, like she'll do keyword research for you and we'll incorporate that into the copy in all the right places. And she double checks our writer's work and all of that. Um, But some people don't care about SEO. Some people just have other marketing channels and they aren't invested in it. And that's like, we decided to separate them out because I don't want to force people to pay for something that they don't care about. You know, some people get most of their business from Instagram or from Facebook or from ads. So SEO just isn't really that important to them. So I try to be respectful of what people actually need.
0: Can you give me any general don'ts of photography copy?
1: Oh man, I could give you a hundred of them. But I think, I think the biggest one is don't talk about yourself too much. It is your website and it is your art and it is your business. But when it comes down to it, people want to see themselves in your words. And if you're busy talking about what your work means to you, they're not going to see themselves in it. So they want to see how who you are benefits them. So even on your about page, absolutely talk about yourself, but make sure everything that you're saying could be spun as a benefit for them. You know, your experience should benefit their experience.
0: Do you, Um, have you read read, um, story brand?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And he talks a lot about that. You know, you're the guide. The client is the hero. That's a great summary of how you should look at your website copy. You make them the hero, their problem. Your solution is simply an answer to their problem. It's it, it. you only talk about yourself as a solution to them. So you don't really think about or talk about yourself independently of them. Can you give
0: me some like practical examples of that? Like in photography terms, how would we, how would we, how would we say that? Like what would be scenarios in which, um, do you know what I'm talking
1: about? Yeah, absolutely. I think a big one is that a lot of motherhood photographers are moms. So telling a personal story about being a mom and getting your photos done or not having photos of a certain event, you know, you can really tap into your audiences, your target audience's psyche by talking about your own experience because they could relate to that. You know, talking about, even if you're not talking about motherhood stuff, if you find that a lot of your clients, like I always say, you know, stop talking about, Tacos and marks on your website because it's so generic, like it doesn't mean anything. Um, But let's say you have a lot of clients who like coffee or do like tacos and margaritas. You can work that into your about page and say like, you know, if you do a ordering session, you know, I'll bring the coffee or whatever it is that you find that a lot of your clients like, you can find cute ways to work in that you also are a part of that culture, whether that's a TV show or a food or, you know, a religious affiliation, like you want to bring up the things about yourself that you find yourself relating to people to when you're in person. Like think about the things that you always find yourself talking about or the story you always find yourself telling at a session that should probably go on your website.
0: What about I'm hesitant to say this, but I say I'm transparent. (laughs) I don't know how much you know about me, but Mm -hmm. I've been, um, in the photography world for 20 years now. So, Mm -hmm. um, my photography, we do have, we still have a photography studio and, um, a team of photographers, but my business partner and I have, we don't shoot Mm -hmm. nearly as much as we used to. So we've, we have a couple of other businesses and I will say that our website, if you looked, Is that 10-year-old
1: website that you were talking about? (laughs) Yeah. Hey, no shade, a lot are. A lot of them are.
0: Uh, You know, new website is always at the top of the to-do list Mm -hmm. and it never Mm -hmm. seems to get done.
1: Well, I I will say if you're successful and you're booked, it's hard to prioritize something. Like if it's not broke, don't fix it. Like I can critique your website till I'm blue in the face, but if you're booking as much as you want to be booking and you're booking the kind of clients you want to be booking, then I'm not about to tell you to prioritize that, you know?
0: Well, it is a priority because it's it's about (laughs) to be a little bit embarrassing. It's so old. (laughs) So, Um, But I say all that to say that I lean, like I told you, I'm not much of a reader. Like Uh I am images and words and quotes like bullet points and so like my vision for a new site honestly doesn't have a lot of copy on it mm-hmm. like because I like those artists like El- Elizabeth Messina comes to mind like if you know who she is like mm-hmm. it's all about strong images and like it leans more like towards artists and like so I like that spare mm-hmm. website like is that okay Like,
1: yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. You just need to see if it works for you, you know, and it's all about testing. A lot of copy is about testing and see if seeing if something works or doesn't work. Now you have some incredible brand authority having been around for 20 years, you know, you're going to have repeat clients over and over. You have a huge network of people that you have photographed in the past. So a lot of the advice I'm giving is not for you, (laughs) Because your marketing avenues are going to look a lot different than somebody who just started doing this in the past five years, because they don't have that built up, that history. And, you know, you've been taking up space on the internet for a lot longer too. Like you're probably getting priority over a lot of other people just because of the sheer amount of content you have published and you have an education space, like that's even more helpful for you. So and you have a podcast, like think about the visibility you have as a business owner that other people don't have. So there are some shortcuts that you can take around what I'm saying that aren't going to hurt you as much as somebody who's just starting out and really, really needs to book some clients. And My favorite kind of photographer to help is somebody that has built a pretty successful business, but they're not getting the inquiries that they want to be working with. They're getting inquiries, they're booking people, but it's just not exactly who they want to be working with. That's the kind of message that I really like to take and refine so I can help people book more of their favorite clients. Because you know, as photographers, we spend our lives with our clients, not obviously as much as our families, but if we're working on the weekends or at night, we want to enjoy the people that we're with. So my goal with copy isn't necessarily to make people more money, but just to surround them with clients that they really, really enjoy being with. So again, there's nothing wrong with not having a ton of copy. You just need to make sure it works for you and that it's still bringing in the kind of clients you love to surround yourself with.
0: So around that, we get a lot of questions inside of our membership about the, the word luxury comes up a lot. Mm-hmm. So I would yeah. like to move to a luxury clientele. <laughs> yeah. As a copywriter, what does that mean to you?
1: I think luxury is a feeling that you give people and the way that you take care of people, not necessarily an aesthetic. And I think those get conflated a lot. So yes, there's certain things about your website that if you want to appeal to you know, a $10,000 client, it should look you need to, your website needs to look and sound like you can charge that much, (laughs) you know, like just straight up, you need to come across as a uber professional if you want to be charging that kind of money. But I also think, you know, there's so many different kinds of people that are willing to spend a lot of money because I think people say luxury and they just mean, I want higher paying clients. I want people to pay me more, but there's a lot of different personality types within that bracket that people could spend that much Does that make sense?
0: it does I love that so is so a word that as a copywriter you hate
1: I don't hate it because some people that want to spend ten thousand dollars for family photos want to see that on their photographer's site That is a word that they identify with that is a word that means something to them but I don't think it means what a lot of photographers think it means. Because they think if they put luxury on their site, all of a sudden that's the kind of client they're going to attract. And it's like, hey, some people that are willing to spend that amount of money would never call themselves luxury. They might call themselves bougie, you know, and it might be a lot more casual or they might not call themselves anything and they just don't blink at that pricing and their personality is actually really fun and lighthearted. So it's not about the that luxury word as much as it is about understanding the people within the group you're trying to reach.
0: So if I come to you and I, and I said that I'm, I want to attract more of a luxury client, how do you portray that without saying luxury?
1: Well, I would ask you, what does that mean to you? What do you mean luxury? And usually people would say, well, I just want to charge more. Like I want people that will pay more. And I'm like, okay, great. So let's talk about that. Do you know anyone? Have you worked with anyone that would have been willing to pay that amount? Tell me about them. What did they do for work? What was your conversation like with them about how did you relate to them? What made them say yes to you? You know, that I would just go down a very long trail of questions to understand the person they're trying to attract, not the number that they're trying to attract. Even though that let's call him Joe, like, Joe and Marilyn, I don't know why those two names came to my mind, but we'll go with it. <laughs> They're a couple and this photographer has them in their mind as like, this is a couple that I could have charged three times what I normally do and they would have paid it. And I just want more of Joe and Marilyn. Great. Let's talk about Joe and Marilyn then. What made them special? You know, Let's talk about their friends. Let's talk about their family. What? Where can we find more of them? So that to me is diving into your market. Rather than just using this like I don't know, like ubiquitous term of luxury to define something so much more specific than that. Did that answer your question? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Okay, I good. <laughs> know I know that that's something that's going to be very interesting to the list to our listener, and so I just wanted to dive into that a little more.
1: Yeah, I would um, just challenge them: What does the luxury actually mean in their head? Like, define it—not what you think it is, but what it means to you.
0: I would think that our that our listener thinks that it does mean um, being able to charge a higher price, but it probably also means as a photographer, um, providing a service above and beyond what they might get somewhere else, as far as providing a client wardrobe or having artwork, you know, like they're not, we're not just providing images, but we're providing custom framed.
1: Totally. And then yeah, the words that come to mind when you talk about that is like, you know, all inclusive, not in the sandals resort way, but in the, I will take care of everything for you way, you know, you can work and like investment and experience and custom, you know, you can use words that signal, I will do everything for you. And you really are getting everything you could possibly want and dream without saying luxury.
0: What else, ma'am? Is there anything else we have to touch on that, that you feel like is important?
1: I mean, I could talk about this till I'm blue in the face. I just want to make sure that I'm answering any questions that your listeners might have about this. I know it's a big topic. It seems overwhelming, but copy is really about understanding people and really good photographers understand their people really well. So I would just encourage you that if it sounds overwhelming, I promise you that you can do it.
0: Tell, tell, um. Tell everyone that's listening where they can find you and tell them, um, tell them what you offer again.
1: Yeah. So we offer a couple of different things. We have a DIY guide. I think it's 200 bucks on our website. The photographer's guide to write your site, right? We do copy audits of your site and then we do full site writing services. You can find all of that on our website, greenchairstories.com. And then I'm super active on Instagram, just at Stories. I promise if you send me a DM, I personally will respond.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Thank you, Rachel. I've enjoyed talking to you today.
1: Of Uh, course. I was so pumped to be here. I love what you guys are doing. You're doing a fabulous job. I think you're filling a really important space in this industry. Well, thank you so much. You are very welcome.
0: I hope you found this podcast episode as educational and applicable as I did. Thank you so much, Rachel, for eloquently and thoroughly explaining the do's and don'ts of copywriting. We so appreciate how much you tailor this topic to photography business owners and the unique services and markets we work in. I hope you, the listener, also enjoyed this episode and were able to jot down lots of notes on how you too can take the task of copywriting and amplifying your photography business brand and messaging. We'll be offering a free pricing boot camp over at the Motherhood Anthology, March 27th through 29th. During that boot camp, we will walk you through the process of figuring out what your pricing should be, how to implement and communicate pricing changes so that you can run a successful and sustainable business. To join us, simply join the Motherhood Anthology community on Facebook. So to wrap up today, I love this quote by Mark Twain. The difference between the almost right word and the right word is really a large matter. Tis the difference between the lightning bug and the lightning. So from Ireland to yours until next time, friends.